Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. From Los Angeles, California, we present the program of the Voice of Prophecy. A voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. And now let us seek the light of heaven, as the King's heralds bring to us his light in song. My ship is sailing o'er the sea, the unknown restless sea. Oh, Jesus, let the lighthouse shine, it's golden and everlasting Father, we ask thee to intervene in world affairs to hasten the day of peace with freedom. O thou that dwellest between the cherubim, show thyself to our longing hearts that we may know that like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. 
for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Our Father in heaven, we pray that thou wilt so pour out thy blessing, that in this broadcast thou wilt reveal thyself to the millions who hear it. These precious gifts we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus. Blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. Greetings to our friends everywhere, yes, millions of them in many lands, especially our new listeners. Surely this war-torn world needs the Bible message of the Prince of Peace more today than ever before, and the voice of prophecy is dedicated to the preaching of Christ to the millions of every land. To our hundreds of thousands of listeners in South America, the message goes from a great transmitter at Lorenco Mark, a station so powerful that its broadcasts are picked up even here in California. In a special letter to us, a world traveler writes that in South America, in practically every home, the people are listening to the broadcasts. Even the peons or the day laborers are listening. New Voice of Prophecy outlets have been added during the last six months in Fairbanks, Alaska, in the Canal Zone at Panama City, while large and small cities in America and Canada are carrying the message of redemption through faith in Christ, oh friends, here is a world mission for Christ worthy of your prayers. Here is a partial fulfillment of that prophecy of Jesus. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Won't you help to enlarge our circle of listeners? Won't you tell a friend to tune in? until this witness shall go to the ends of the earth, and men everywhere will come to love and serve the God of our fathers. Let's go.
Thank you, King's Heralds, for that majestic song. And now, the voice of prophecy with a Bible message for today, our Heavenly Father. Hundreds of millions of Christians know the words of the Lord's Prayer and often repeat, Our Father, which art in heaven, thy kingdom come. But I wonder whether many of us appreciate as we should the blessing of knowing God as our Father. Many believe in him as the creator of the world, as the Lord of the universe, as the judge of man. But to know God as Father, our Heavenly Father, that's entirely and wonderfully different. It's true that the fatherhood of God was revealed through the prophets in Old Testament times, but it was not until Jesus came that the children of earth caught a full vision of the loving Father heart of God. Christ came to make God known to men. Over and over again our Savior speaks of God as his Father. Especially is this true in the Gospel of John. Christ is called the Son of God, and his sinless life, his teachings, miracles, crucifixion, his resurrection from the dead, in all these things he revealed the character of his Father. So, if you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus, study his life, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5:19. When one of his disciples said to him, Lord, show us the Father, Jesus replied, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath known me, or seen me, hath seen the Father. John 14, 8. Centuries before his birth, the prophet declared that his name should be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7, 14. And the apostle Paul says that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Reading Corinthians, 2nd Epistle, 4th chapter, 6th verse. For he is the image of God, or, as it's phrased in Hebrews 1, 3, the express image of his person. He was the word of God, God's thought made audible. While he was the incarnate God, as someone has beautifully written, his glory was veiled, his greatness and majesty were hidden, that he might draw near to sorrowful, tempted men. His divinity was veiled with humanity, the invisible glory in the visible human form. So Christ set up his tabernacle in the midst of our human encampment. He pitched his tent by the side of the tents of men, that he might dwell among us and make us familiar with his divine character and life. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And God who revealed himself in his son Jesus Christ is the God of love and mercy and compassion. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore. 2 Corinthians 11:31, And he is our heavenly Father. God is the center of authority in religion. When men deny God a place in his own universe by outright atheism or by anti-scriptural philosophies deny his authority, his providence, and his love, there's always trouble ahead. It's such teaching and the life that goes with it which afflicts our world today. One of the most popular philosophers of our day boasts that he shatters creeds and demolishes idols. His idea is that God or the life force is as yet unconscious of his own existence, but that he is trying to become aware of himself. How could such a God as this help anyone else or answer their prayers when he does not even know that he himself exists? One religious teacher today says that God is simply the spirit of humanity. A certain professor of a great university declares that man is the best expression of deity, that he bows at this shrine. This is man worshiping himself. 
how could he go farther from the heavenly Father revealed in the Bible? Where God is politely bowed out or openly denied, their religion has no authority. The Ten Commandments, no moral sanction and judgment, no reality. When God is gone, there's no promise of a future, and life itself is just a dark and narrow veil between the ice-clad peaks of two bleak eternities. Some of our modern wise men rejected their Christ by taking this position. They rejoiced that they had disinfected religion from superstition, only to discover that men cannot live on disinfectants. They have also discovered that a thin trickle of sociology is a poor substitute for God. A godless religion has no answer to the questions of the broken heart. A Christless gospel, no comfort for mothers and fathers bereaved by a world at war. Millions today, like the cultured pagans of Paul's day, are having no hope and without God in the world. If God exists and if he is good, it is reasonable to believe that he would reveal himself to men. This he has done in his works and in his word, or as someone has put it, in God's two books, Nature and the Bible. First, God's book of nature. The universe reveals the Creator, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. It's unscientific and unreasonable to hold that the infinite complexity and harmony of the universe exists without a Creator, the thought without a thinker, the effect without a cause. The fact that we cannot comprehend the nature and power of God is no reason why we should deny his existence as Creator. It's harder to accept the mighty universe without God than with God. Francis Bacon, one of the greatest thinkers who ever lived, said that he had rather believe all the fables and the legends and the Talmud and the Al-Quran than that this universal frame is without a mind. And God's book of Holy Scripture agrees with his book of nature. The Bible reveals God, too, as a personal being not only using the personal pronoun in reference to him, but constantly ascribing to him the attributes of personality. Proverbs 3.19 speaks of him as having wisdom and knowledge. John 3.16 shows that God loves and expresses his love. Psalms 145.17 gives the attribute to God of righteousness. He's a righteous God. Therefore, he's a personal being. And fourth, the Bible reveals God in communion with men. Only a person can ask questions, as in Genesis 3, 9, the Lord God called Adam and said, Where art thou? Only a person can make promises and keep them. Read Genesis 12 and 17, where God made promises to Abraham. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 4, 20 says that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God, that he was able to perform what he had promised, and Abraham knew it. May God give us a faith like that. Only a person can love, hate, will, know, desire, sorrow, speak, hear, and do. These are all attributes of personality. Since this is true, we conclude that the Bible reveals to us the glorious truth that there is a living and true God who is holy, powerful, loving, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and who is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is the holy, true, and living God, the creator of all things, the ruler of the universe. In Hebrews 1, 3, we're told that Christ was the express image of his person, the express image of the Father's person. And he made God known to man as the loving Father. In that great prayer, the Lord's Prayer, you remember, he speaks of him as our heavenly Father who cares for his children. 
And in so revealing God to men, it was our Savior who taught us to pray in that great prayer, Our Father which art in heaven. Can you say amen to that wonderful song and prayer? Do you know God as a father or only as a judge? There's a vast difference. In a story of his boyhood experience, T.E. Skillington tells of being called in from his play one day to join the family circle round the cradle where his baby brother lay dying. This was the first time that he'd seen a human being die. But he was more deeply impressed with the grief of his parents and grandmother than moved by his own childish grief. Especially was this so when his mother gently laid the little baby in the crib and said in grief-choked words, Oh, how can I give him up? Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Although he was only a boy, he wondered at the strange peace that seemed to come over her in spite of her grief. About 15 years later, as a young minister... He stood at the side of a broken-hearted father as he lost a much-loved child, put his arm around the man's shoulder and tried to speak some comforting words about the unfailing love of our Heavenly Father. But the bereaved father said, It's not so. It's a judgment on me for my sins. And that terrible conviction hung like a dark cloud of doom over his soul as long as he knew him. He says that there by the grave of that godless man's child, 
He remembered the scene of his boyhood and his mother's words of faith. He asked himself, why such a difference? Then Hebrews 12, 6 came to his mind. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Then he realized that his Christian mother knew God as the Heavenly Father and trusted him with loving confidence, hence her peace. But that man knew God only as a righteous judge, hence his despair. O oh, friend, the child of God trusts his Heavenly Father to know the right way and do the best thing for him. His faith assures him that God is too wise to make a mistake and too good to be unkind. He loves his Father in heaven, and love casteth out all fear. He knows that like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Psalm 103, 13. So we can turn to God in every time of trouble and know that he understands and cares. And our Heavenly Father is like a mother, too. Did you ever think of it that way? Just for a moment now. Roll back the years. You're a boy again or a girl, just a child, a little child. You can just barely remember that day. You stubbed your toe, you scratched your finger, you lost a toy, you broke your doll, you bumped your head, and you ran. You didn't walk, you ran to mother, and she took you up in her arms and kissed the hurt away and rocked you close to her heart. You remember, don't you? Of course you do. And Isaiah, that peerless preacher, remembered too. Here's what he said, and he puts the words down in the words of God himself. Listen, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. Isn't that wonderful? Just like mother when you're in trouble, that's the way God is. Look at this true picture from the sacred memory. Our friend's mother sits in the big armchair. There she is with the children, her sons about her. She'll not be here long. The two sons are in the room. The younger must be away for a few days. Not sure he'll see her again. Draws up a chair to her side and lays his head on her shoulder and says with deep emotion, Mother, I shall have to go in a few moments, but I want to ask you to do something before I go. What is it, son? These old hands can't do much now, but Mother will do anything she can for her boy. Mother, I've given you much pain. I've caused you to shed many tears during my life. I want to tell you I'm sorry for every wrong thing I've done and every tear you... and every pain that I've caused you to suffer. I didn't intend to hurt you. And Mother, I want you to forgive me for it all, if you can. I'll feel better satisfied as I go away. As he said this, he burst into tears. Can't you see her put her arms around her? Draw his head down close to her bosom and kiss away his tears and say with all my heart, my boy, I forgave you long ago. My children could not do anything for which I'd not forgive them. What a picture this is of God taking his children into his arms and kissing away their tears and blotting out their sins. And friends, it's your privilege and mine to come to him. For God understands our heartaches. He understands and cares. God understands your sorrow. He sees the falling tear and whispers, I am with thee. Then falter not nor fear. He understands. Then let him bear 
God understands and cares. Friend, don't ever say nobody cares. May be true that no one on earth knows all about your problems, but God does and he cares. My friend, have you lost a boy in national service? God cares. Are you anxious about your boy because he hasn't written for weeks or months? God cares. Are you sick? God cares. Have you been in the background? You want to come to Christ today? God cares. He understands your longing. Just come, give him your heart and cast your burden upon the Lord, for he careth for you. Have faith in God, whoever you may be. Have faith in God, on land and on the sea. Have faith in God, he cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Oh, save to the thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. 